0: What a blessing our speaker is. Uh, we are so grateful to have Michael and Natalie Zinn with us, are we not? We're so grateful for that ministry. If you weren't here Friday night, well, shame on you, but you have Sunday, and that's great. So Michael's going to be bringing the word. Michael serves as the National Director of Chosen People Ministries based out of Israel, a ministry that has, God has grown immensely. Michael was stating that in 1948, there were 23 believers in Israel. There's now over 50,000 in 2020. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing. And one of the ways that he is reaching uh, the Israelis for Christ is through... Chosen People Ministries. And as we know, we are blessed to have the Liebermans among us uh, who we support. And so Michael, thank you for coming all the way from Israel to sharing God's Word, sharing your testimony. Natalie, thanks for keeping him in line. We are so grateful for you. Michael, come, bring us the Word.
1: You don't know what's that, right? And actually, I said uh, good morning in the Jesus language. <laughs> so you better learn it. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to make short-term uh, classes uh, for the next hour. You know what? I'm just here, and thank you very much for inviting me here. And uh, just such a huge blessing and to see people and uh, to understand that some of them became my friends. And some of them hopefully all of them, I'll see, or oh, they will see me there in heaven. And I asked David this morning uh, uh, to give me uh, the Bible because, you know, the high-tech stuff, I use my telephone stuff. And he gave me, and I found the same Bible as I have. Such surprise, right? And it's good. It's wonderful and beautiful when you wake up every morning And you know in this rapidly changing world that there is something that's always and forever is the same. It's like looking around and fighting in the next pillow to your face of your beloved bride. You know, in the voices of your children, knowing very good that every morning you wake up, you see sun, sometimes clouds. But basically, the... Life of the human being is based on something that's fundamental. And the word of God in Lebanon, in Israel, in the United States of America, even in Russia, it's the same word. And it gives us a hope when we go as just following Jesus and saying and sharing the good news with other people, it's the same word. We didn't have to make it up. It's there. We are deliverers, and God wants us, regardless how old are we, regardless how sick or healthy, God wants us to share with others with what He gave uh, to us. So here I am, and just coming from former Soviet Union to Israel 33 years ago, complete fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah. He will, God will bring people from the northern land. So here I am. Fulfillment of this prophecy. By the way, if you want to touch me after a meeting, just free of charge. You can do it so far free of charge, you know. Coming close to the kingdom, it will, who knows, you know. It's like properties, you know. Uh, anyhow, uh, so here we came from Israel. And I am privileged to share with you uh, from the Gospel of Paul. You know, actually, all the word of God is gospel. There is gospel from Isaiah. There is gospel from Moses. There is gospel from Paul. And the author of all these words is, of course, Jesus Christ himself. So I would love to share with you the same passages, I believe, nothing new from the Bible you read Daily And what is on my heart is to share what Paul, New Testament Apostle, Apostle for the Gentiles, share actually with Gentile audience about something that is very, very dear to his heart. And in his opinion, and in God's opinion, that is absolutely important for those who are not necessarily Jewish. So, imagine, I'm going to share with you using a lot of gestures. That's my way of of talking, you know. And uh, imagine you are not here, but 2,000 years ago. No air conditioning, no speakers, no amplifiers, and hot. You know, when people listen to me in Israel, in the nor-conditioned place, they usually fall asleep after five minutes. You know, you got, I can tell you stories of the stories, of course, you know, years ago, we got a wonderful, wonderful sister in our congregation. Yeah, she's with the Lord already. So she was so active. She was so fresh when in the time, worship time, Lord, thank you very much. That was wonderful, yes? And then, after me started to preach, she was falling asleep. She woke up usually by the end of my preaching and worshiped Lord again. And in the beginning it was, you know, but later we understood that's the way this dear sister takes my preaching. So I'm hopeful very, very much that you will not fall asleep. I will wake you up if you do it. But 2,000 years ago, you know, Rome, hot. And the people coming together to listen from the Word of God. The only problem was there was no New Testament yet. So they were enjoying mostly fellowship because they didn't have Old Testament translated into Latin language by that time. So here and there, small stuff, and they mainly discussed, are you still alive? Sitting there with the guard probably outside, just wanting to be protected, from surprise Roman's visit. And suddenly, door is opened and messenger comes in all Federal Express by that time. So he's coming in and saying, brothers, sisters, I brought you a message from our dear brother Paul. Wow, it doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every Sunday. For them, it was really the event. That might affect all their life. So they tell him to this guy, you know, covered by dust go forward, go forward and just share with us what our dear brother Paul, they heard about Paul, of course. How not? What is going to share with us him? And we read, I'm going to start to read from. Romans chapter 9, if you want to open the Bible with me. I'm going to read from the very beginning. So it's not Paul who reads this passage to them, this letter to them. That's the messenger. And he starts from the very, very, very strange passage. You better agree with me. He says, I am telling the truth, the key word, the truth in Christ. And if it's not enough, he saying I'm not lying. And if that's not enough, he says, for my conscience assures me in the Holy Spirit. Look, if I am Paul, with presumptuous, but if I am Paul, I would say these words in the beginning of the letter, because making such a statement three times, assuring people, like saying, okay, forget whatever I told you before that, but now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not lying. You know, the Holy Spirit is my witness. Why does he do that? Just in the middle of his message. Probably, the audience, wow. Now we're going to hear something sensational that requires this additional measures of assurance that I am not liar, <laughs> does. who can really suspect Paul to be lying. But he, in his wisdom, decides that because of the things of the huge importance and unexpectedness, he's going to share right now, he has to warn people to take whatever he says with the highest degree of seriousness. So, Wow. All the ears are opened, and he says very interesting thing. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Wow, really? Brother Paul, what happened? Somebody of our comrades was caught, crucified. What happened? That the requires such warning signs and our attention. What kind of sorrow? We share sorrow. We are ready to die with you and for you if there is a need. I'm anguish in my heart. And then he tells something unbelievable for those first Christians. For I could wish that I, myself, were accursed, cut off from Christ. What? Listen, folks, if I ask you, are you ready to be forsaken and forgotten and cut off from Christ for the sake of your children? Tough question. We know the salvation is individual. We cannot save our children. We cannot die for them on the cross. We need them personally to receive. But if you ask, are you ready to say goodbye to kingdom, to eternity for the sake of your children, to exchange places with them? Very difficult question. Because salvation is a great gift, and it's not allowed to get away from this gift. It's personal. It's written your name, ascribed for Dave, for Laurie, for Josiah. You cannot go to the store like a gift certificate and say, okay, transfer it to somebody else. And here we see Paul, he is ready to be accursed from Christ, the anguish for why? How is that possible that you weren't even allowed to pronounce such thing? It's almost borders with the blasphemy. You've been entrusted with salvation with the dear blood of our Lord and Savior, and now you decide you want to transfer that back forth. Ah, they say, maybe it's because of us. You are ready to be distanced from the Christ because we are your family. We are such good brothers, and he says, for the sake of my people." Ah, us, church. Probably think those people in the pews, wow, such a sacrifice. And he says, no, no, no folks. Just please understand me and forgive me if you can't. I am ready to be separated from Christ Listen carefully, to be for eternity separated from Christ for the sake of my fellow countrymen. Paul, it's impossible. For those who crucified our Lord and Savior Jesus, for those who persecute you, for those who hate us, how can it be that you are ready to be separated from the most important thing in the world? From Christ for the sake of your countrymen? Maybe he just didn't understand something. And he says, No, no, no. You do understand. Who are Israelites? What? And he gives even more. To them, she says, belong the adoption of sons, the glory of the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. And from them, by human descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Complete silence. You know, my guest Paul knows the Greek language. If he wanted to say to them, belonged, in the past tense, he would say that. <laughs> After all. <laughs> Who is new Israel? Church, of course, us. We are new Israel, everyone Israelite. And Israel is supersessionism, replacement theology, right? Israel is just somewhere in the past. People say no, no. Even now, in the church time, New Testament time, grace time, call it whatever you want, he uses this Greek, belong in the present, strong, present tense, even in a time past crucifixion, past ascension, past temple destruction, past new, whatever, call it, to them belong now. In this time, nothing changed since this letter. Whatever belonged to them, belongs to them now. And he says, to them belong the adoption as sons. You remember the story in Luke about the prodigal son. Son may consider himself independent, free, father forgetting, not father. For father, they are forever sons and daughters, These simple Israelis who are non-believers. That's important. Israelis in flesh, by blood, with the noses like me, with the curly ears like me, with the beards like me. By the way, I believe Jesus liked like me, looked like me. (laughs) Much more than this blonde guy in the pictures you see. Yeah. So it belongs to them. What? They say, and he continues even further. He says, the glory belongs to them. That's what being glory belongs to them. Well, Paul is thinking Jewish, even expressing himself in uh, Greek. Glory in Hebrew, and this is just we start our Hebrew classes this morning. Glory in Hebrew is kavod. Can you repeat with me? Kavod. Coming from the liver. Kaved and meaning something very heavy. In ancient time, they believe you better believe me because I studied Hebrew, that liver fulfills the function of the heart. They didn't know what is most important organ. So for them, kaled, that is liver, and kavod, and kaved means heavy, important, that's something that you cannot disregard, that without that, life doesn't exist. So to them belong importance, centrality, central place. For them belong everything in God's eyes, even now in the time of the New Testament. And he goes, Father, the covenants, come on. Do you know that all covenants belong to them, including new covenants? New Covenant was promised long ago to Jeremiah. And then, in His grace, God allowed to Gentiles, to you folks, my dear brothers and sisters, to join the remnant of Israel in what is called New Covenant. It's not something hostile, something unexpected, something came from nowhere, no. It was predicted and well-prophesized covenant between God of Israel and people of Israel that graciously God allowed you, my dear brothers and sisters, to join, not the opposite. And Paul makes it very, very clear. It's now. It's not in the past. Given of the law. (laughs) Nomos, this Greek word. Funny thing that if you translate from Hebrew to Greek, it's almost like the law, legalistic. But back in Hebrew, Torah means uh, teaching. For example, if you say science of mathematics, you say, Torah shall Mathematica. Of course, every science includes certain laws, but it's not, the same also, if you want, Torah comes the word ore meaning shooting in the center. Comes from the word "moré," meaning teacher. It comes from the word ore meaning parent. So if you want to understand what in Paul's, Paul's understanding was law, it was something loving that parents and teachers Listen. Teach their children and explain to the children the central central part centrality of this. And he says, even now, it belongs to them. Now, no transfer is being done from them to other people. The temple of worship, temple is still there. I enjoyed, you know, this worship this morning. And you know, but what is your ministry? People say, I. I lead the worship team. Have good news, you all worship team. Actually, you worship to God six days a week in order to come on the seventh day and to report each other how you served six days. So here you are, and you led by wonderful team, but it's actually, this is presenting before Lord the summary, totality, or how you worship to him in your everyday life within whole week, during the week. You cannot separate the Sunday worship from Monday smiling to your neighbor. You cannot separate song of grace given to God from how you behave to a widow next to your door. This is all worship and a sweet aroma when God looks at that It smiles. Look, temple worship, he claims, also belongs, present tense, to Israelis. And the promises, (laughs) you can't help. Every word that was promised is to be fulfilled. Israel will come to the land. God will give back land that he was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All Israel will be saved. And all people of the world will come to Jerusalem claiming glory to him all the promises that were given. And it just disagree with me, upon such introduction, people look around, it's quite surprising. That's the same good news, but this is really very good, very new news, if you want. But there are some objections, of course, in the audience, and they say, but... Are they not that really still in a total contradiction, a total resistance to the word of God? And Paul says in the chapter ten—there were no chapters by that time, by the way—it was just a long letter—and he says to them, "Brothers and sisters, mm -hmm, my heart's desire and prayer to God on behalf of my fellow." Israelites is for their salvation. For I can testify that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not in line with the truth. That's true. I'm Israelite from the tribe of Judah, and I can testify you. How I see the things happening in Israel. Let me share with you one interesting episode. It was the year 1992. Some of you remember it was Gulf War. God kept Israel it's a miracle. 40 full-size missiles full in a populated areas. No one man was killed in the nighttime. No single man. God protected Israel in miracle. But by that time, I served at the uh, guard in a different, you know, constructions and sometimes interesting construction being on the territories, West Bank. And uh, uh, I was on duty when this terrible sirens. Mm, you know, in the daytime, terrible. Shabbat. Every Jew, religious Jew, goes to synagogue. And we didn't know—it's got to be poisonous gas or whatever. So requirement was you put on your face gas mask. By the way, that was the only time in my life that I shaved my beard, because otherwise you cannot really have a gas mask on your face. So we drive the car—apocalyptic picture. Imagine you drive the car, and the cars are driving, yeah. and the old people, drivers, and those insiders—they sitting with the gas masks, right? And at that time, I see two Jews, Orthodox, heading to the synagogue and discussing something with the Bibles in their hands. I open the window and say, you know, go home, (laughs) something like that. And they say, what? I say, go home. They say, no, but we go to pray. say, but you might be killed. And they tell me, nothing may happen. Messiah didn't come yet. For them, Messiah didn't come yet. But because they really believe in that, they are ready to sacrifice their life, but not not to pray on Shabbat. They indeed march to the wailing wall on Sabbath and the missiles are falling and they are jumping and dancing, glorifying God, and hugging each other, rejoicing and saying, whatever might happen, that they go with their children, folks, because they believe with all their hearts that Messiah didn't come yet. But you know what? They expect Messiah come with all their hearts, with all their minds, and they prove it by their life. The swale is still there, but zeal for God is tremendous. We can just imagine what may happen, when this faith in real Messiah matches or meets one day this zeal. Can you imagine a sort of spiritual explosion? It might happen with the people of this such zeal for God, but still with this curtain, this veil before their eyes. And I lived there in Israel, in Jerusalem for the last 33 years, and I can testify how those people love unknown still to them, God. And by the way, that's our responsibility to share a gospel with them and sometimes even to use the words for that. Here we are, observe, have a zeal, become jealous. That's the real gospel sharing God is expecting us to perform toward Israelis. He goes on in chapter 11, my favorite probably chapter, so after explaining all that to the absolutely shocked Audience, he says, so I ask, after all he explained, 11.1, one, God has not rejected his people, has he? He answers, absolutely not. Now, you have to understand that he still thinks as a Jew. And translated back from Greek language, this absolutely not is very strong. Meaning, if I do that, may God cross me and eliminate me from the book of life. That's what our religious people say, but they absolutely not. So, meaning if somebody, God forbid, claims that God has forsaken Jewish people, so may his name, that's what Paul says, may his name will be eradicated from the book of life. It is serious. To the extent that he says, Fox, there is no way, after I explain, Paul says, that you may take it easy. Ah, I don't care about Jews. It's not caring about Jews, because caring about Jews, Israel cares about your souls and your destiny and your salvation. That's actually what Paul says. Absolutely not. For I am too Israelite. Is it not no Jew, no Greek? Who wrote no Jew, no Greek? Paul. And the same Paul says, yes, but I am Israelite. And he says more than that, I'm not just I am Israelite, I am the descendants of Abraham, blood, flesh, important, for some reason, for Paul. Descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul says, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm here about the, the, the people of Israel. In flesh, not in spirit. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. No. May it never happen. And he goes on, and then he says in verse 13, he says, Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Think that I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. He doesn't reject his ministry. He believes in all his heart. He is apostle to the Gentiles. By saying that, he says, if somehow I could provoke my people to jealousy and save some of them. Before that, I asked them, they didn't stumble into irrevocable fall, did they? Absolutely not. The same may God eradicate my name from the book of life. But by their transgression, salvation has come to you, Gentiles. Imagine for a minute, Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and Jewish people receive him as his Messiah. Good news for Jews. Bad news for you. Because eschatological and soteriological history is ended immediately, same minute. God came for his own, and his own were saved. And what about you? But what Paul makes very, very clear, he says, by their transgression, salvation has come to James. So God, in a sense, sacrificed his own people for your sake. Did you think about that? Why? Why he was so merciful and loving God that he sacrificed his people for your sake? You say, well, we are given salvation, and I heard this morning to share gospel with all the world. Yes, and amen. Well, to share gospel with our children, to bring them up ready from saying yes to Christ. But you know what? Paul gives one more reason why you've been saved. And he says, absolutely not. But by their transgression, salvation has come to Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Did you think about that? That one big chunk of the reason you were given salvation is to make Israel jealous. You say, yeah, Lord, but we've been busy in Indiana sharing gospel with indigenous people. Yeah, we've been easy. We've been busy sharing gospel with Mexico. Oh, you know, God, I have five children and I had to work very, very hard. I really didn't have time. I didn't have a heart for that. Mm -mm. Folks, it would not work. It's ultimate. God calls you to make Jews jealous for who you are. If you catch Jew on the street and say, do you want to have eternal life? He would say, I, I do have. But you will have you know, the, all the gold and the promises there after your life. He says, no. Whatever happens here, I want to see it now. And the only way, and I say only way, to make people jealous is to protect your life. To make them jealous for who you are. And when they're jealous for who you are, they might be ready to listen It opened their ears, it opened their hearts for what you expect to happen with you after we die. The main challenge here is not what's going to happen after. No one can verify in the eyes of unbeliever what's going to happen after. But you have rare opportunity to share your life even now to make them jealous for who you are now, how you treat them, how you love them, how you respect them, how you want them to be with you on the basis of who you are. Christianity is not theory. Christianity is not theology, even less systematic theology. God cannot be systematic by default. We expect him to be here, and here, he is there. So God wants you to make Jewish people jealous, based on who you are. <laughs> Please, God. Nate, something wrong with me? Yeah. Okay. See? Oh, thank you, God. <clears throat> You're looking still for miracles? Here it is, you know. Okay, uh, and uh, we are about finished. I can go on and on, (laughs) yes, I love it, what can I do? Okay, and uh, and he goes on and in verse, uh, uh, yes, and here he says, uh, mm -mm. in regard to the gospel, yeah, let me see, 25. Uh, For I do not want you to be ignorant, of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Partial hardening has happened to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And you may better ask David because he is expert in the New Testament. But there is no word number there in Greek text. Just the only word pleroma meaning fullness. So it's actually what God, through Paul, is telling here. He says the following. Partial hardening has spent to Israel until the fullness, not full number, fullness, spiritual fullness of the church. So Israel is going to come to faith when the church from the nominal formal body of people gathering on Sunday will transfer it into the living body with a pulsing heart like that, beating heart with the fullness, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that you cannot hold, forgive me for that, for a mound of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit will flow freely of who you are, making Jews irresistible to this abundance of the grace. So God is calling you to really, shine for Jesus, be bright for Jesus, be courageous, loving, and not given even place for Satan to stop this flow, and eventually for you to deliver this message of hope and love to Jewish people who do have zeal for God, but not, unfortunately, in true faith, fullness of the church, and so he ends up here. All Israel will be saved, as it's written, the Deliver, deliverer will come out of Zion, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I make, when I take away their sins, you see, All Israel will be saved. God was not satisfied with the one-third of Jerusalem was saved. That's the number scholars give us. You know about that? 30% of Jerusalem is, were saved in a time of proclaiming after ascension, uh, uh, Jesus' uh, events, specifically uh, Acts number 2 and following. It was the first Christian city, if you want, in the world. But God is not satisfied with that. And he will not be until he sees all, but all Israel to be saved. And he ends up. In regards to the gospel, they are enemies. Amen. But it says, but for your sake, you're still given time. For your sake. God keeps them in their position of enemies for gospel, for you to use this time to make them jealous. And not to forget, I bless those who bless thee. This blessing is not so much for Jewish people. God blesses them this way or other. This is returning blessing to you on condition you bless people. God provided you with the tools of blessing and love towards Jews in order you to be blessed. Why should you remove this humongous blessing from yourself being indifferent, in the best case scenario, to the Jewish people? Jesus is very clear. Who is not with me is against me. Meaning if you not do what he does, keeping neutrality and indifference, it's the same as living against him. So God indeed expects you for your sake, for your sake, dear brothers and sisters, to make Jewish people jealous. in regards to the Gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but in regard to election, they are dearly loved for the sake of the fathers. And he ends up here. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Period. Full stop. I want you to think about that, just what we shared today, this morning. Try to be egocentric, try to think about yourself. What you would do if you say, you know, somebody will say, you know what, you work harder and you will get more. You will work harder, probably. But how is different that? Love your brothers, love your sisters, love your neighbors, love your enemies, love love the Jews in order to make your life much more abundant. Yes, such egocentric spirituality, and God knows his people. And he knows that's the really strong argument he does. So my calling to you and my challenge to you, if you want to be really blessed, biblically blessed, I don't mean necessarily the properties, money in a bank, and what, the world means by blessing. I mean the spiritual fullness, feeling spirit with every cell of my body, sharing love, life, smile, joy, gladness. With every your breath, every your act, every your gesture, to people observe your life from all possible direction and dimensions and see, wow, how beautiful are them. How we want to be like them. How we want to learn about their God to become our God. How we want their Messiah and their Savior to be our Savior in order for us to become like them. This is really a task. This is what God is calling for you. And this is what I will call you to pray with me right now. Avino Mo Heavenly Father, dear Lord and Savior, beginning and the end, our joy and our hope, our salvation. Staying before you now, Lord, we are humble in our hearts and minds in opening it for you to fill us with your Holy Spirit and the right understanding of your Word and giving us the idea that we are not alone under the sky. There are people different from us, distant from the Gospel, but you love them. You love them even before their creation. And you brought Jesus from their midst, the one without sin, but with the hope to see sinners saved. Lord God, empower us with your Holy Spirit. Make us strong and courageous to receive something that we do not understand sometimes, but relying fully on your promises. But irrevocable. Yes, Lord, we want to see all Israel be saved as the sign that you are faithful, God. Yes, Lord, we want Israel to be saved in order to be blessed in our family, to be blessed, in our churches, in the teachers, in the mission you entrusted us with. Thank you, Lord, for opening your word for us. We pray in a wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, may his name will be glorified forever and ever.